Pedro Walpole, you are an Irish Jesuit. You are working in the Philippines. I last spoke to you over a year ago at the Ploughing Championships. And you're passionately concerned about the environment. You're trained in that area. There's a lot of movement or a lot of talk in the ether about environmental issues. We have the Pope's Laudato Sea. We have the Great Green Wall in Africa. At the same time, we have Trump pulling out of the Paris Accord and things. So... Just from your perspective as both an academic and as a practitioner, what's your more global view to begin with of where we are at the moment in terms of care of the earth? I've just come from the meetings in Bonn and all of the activity that surrounds the discussion on COP23, you know, the climate change agenda. Yes, the US has pulled out, but actually a lot of the states are involved in the process and trying to make ground. Overall, it's moving very slowly, very poorly. We're heading for three degrees temperature rise. And if we want to keep the islands in the Pacific and the people alive, we need 1.5 temperature rise. So we're going hopefully in the direction of at least two, but it actually needs to be 1.5. Otherwise, we're going to relocate people from many islands, Marshall Islands, Palau, all of the islands uh, across the Pacific. And that just doesn't register really for the world. And this three degrees, in what time frame are we talking? 2050, yeah. It's on the cards. It's there because of the amount of carbon we've put in the air and the continuing amount of carbon we put in the air. So it's cumulative. It's a known amount. In Ireland, we are in really serious trouble over our carbon emissions reduction. We're not doing very well there, even though we've had a citizens' assembly making lots of recommendations. What is the problem? Is it that governments just don't want to engage? Or do you think it's not an issue for people on the ground? Because it would seem to be that people are becoming more conscious of the environment. Consciousness is not enough. There's an inertia. People don't believe in their government's in a sense, the way they used to. So they don't really expect governments to act. They themselves are busy and they feel they cannot act. So it's left to the environment in a sustained manner to absorb that. Just take housing in Ireland. I mean, a snail would do it faster. It is impossible that you can do it this slowly here from the records that I've heard. We really need a conversion. We really need a shift and a certain get up and say we can do something. And that usually comes after very hard times where people then turn around and make a move on their own. And that doesn't look too hopeful. That it's Because it's not that we're, we're out of a recession. Some people are out of a recession. Yes. But it seems to be the people that are out of it, particularly in layers of government, as you mentioned, don't really therefore have the will, even though there are people in pockets of the country that are suffering? Well, the basic will is to survive to the next elections and then get through the next elections. Uh, We have a vision that doesn't look over the hedge, let alone the horizon and what's coming. A politician today has got one of the most ethical, moral positions in society and needs to have a perspective of the next 30 years. I was in the national grade school there in Gardner Street today. And uh, you've got kids there from all over Europe, all over the world. They're trying, they're hopeful, and they believe society is doing something. But I was looking at the sustainable development goals with them, 
and saying, okay, you're the generation 2030. There are very few people who hold that vision in an active way. And that's what the challenge is. That's what we've got to do. Yeah, because if we don't see and plan well down the road, 2030 for a politician can seem so very far away. What can ordinary people do? And like those are children. Do you think their consciousness is being changed? Are their parents listening? I don't know. But the children brought me out. They showed me their garden. They showed me where they'd planted flowers in old boots and shoes. They told me that they're trying with the teacher to take care of how they use the electricity and audit the electricity. They're looking at their water. I ask them, do they know where their water comes from? We assume all of this. They try to segregate the paper and the plastics. But look at the plastic world we live in. It's all jumbled in in the bins and everything else. Maybe on an individual level, you can make a 10% difference if people really put a focus on segregating waste, on taking the bicycle, as many people do. I think that's the most impressive thing for me, the number who are on bicycles and who risk their lives. But cut the transport. You're doing something with the Lewis line again. So that's great. But... We've got to cut the transport and actually also eat a little less meat. If we could do that and not waste so much food. Sometimes I see a lot of food wasted. It is very sad. But if we could manage the waste food, if we could manage a little less meat, we could, for the same price, get organic food. We've got to change what we eat. Most cancer today, 80% of it from what I hear and more, comes from external reality, not internal genetics. It's from what we take in from the environment. So you're making a sort of a holistic pitch there. I'm wondering about how one thing knocks on from another. If somebody's listening to this at home and thinking, well, you know, I could cut back on meat, I could try and save and maybe buy organic because it is more expensive for usually. Yes, volume-wise. Volume-wise, yeah. Do we need a critical mass of people doing that? Or is it just, oh, I'm just, a, you know, there's only a few no, of us. You start off as individuals, but it's an attitude. We need attitude. All of these kids in the school have attitude. They want to do something right. What happens in our educational system? What happens in our society when they get their first job? What's soul-destroying for them that they feel they cannot do anything? They can, and we have to encourage them. We don't have to wait 15 years to encourage them. We can start now. But if we can act individually and as a family, we then move on to a stage where we say, OK, everybody's sense of simplicity is different. OK, manage that. But when do I have enough? I call it enoughness. Where is enoughness in my day? Can I move on from there then? to create some sort of community of practice, a community of justice, where sometime during the week, often the weekends, because everybody's busy, but you come together somewhere to do something and in that way share values. To share values in a community manner, however you form your community across cities. yeah. But to have a community of practice is a community of values and those values enable much greater shift and much greater political pressure. 
And do you think this would be something that could be done even at a parish level, given the Pope's interest in the environment and the impact that Laudata Si has been making in groups around, certainly around Ireland, I don't know about the rest of the world? Yes, but we have to give life to the parishes. And it's the people who are the parish. The parish priest cannot do everything, even a jack of all trades. It's got to be the people who actually move in and say, hey, Father, look, this is great. Can we do this? How can we change things? I was down there in Gardner Street, and I don't know who prompted the action, but they've changed their lights in the chapel from 3,000 watts to 300 watts because somebody had a little technical input into that. So we need to use technology for human need, not for economic expansion all the time. We've got to get a sustainability. We've got to struggle for a balance. And of course, I don't need to say this to you because you live and work in a very poor area in the Philippines, but there is something that makes it harder for people who have less income. They suffer the most from the way we abuse the goods around us. And yet it's the hardest for them because you notice that the cheaper stuff comes in big bulky plastic and food isn't as good a quality, but it's cheaper. And people have no choice, it seems to me, that is requires more money to live more ethically, environmentally, sometimes. That's true in many ways, but where I am, I have 300 kids in a school, 150 of them walk for more than a day to go home, so this day I got to feed them, so we've started a farm. That's part of our education as well. I was just telling them in the school this morning, we were talking about biodiversity, and I said... Kids who graduate from our grade school, they know 500 plants. I said, the sad thing here is you don't have 500 plants. So when you go revamp, what is it, Merrion Square or the square up the road there, make sure you put in a bit of biodiversity. Get the local council to do this so that you can actually appreciate what the world is about here in a city. So, okay, we can grow food. That's subsistence, if you like. How do we get an inclusive economy is the challenge. And this is where government has really got to put a control on the commodification of everything. Everything is made into a commodity. Water was a basic right years ago. You even had troughs at the corner of buildings and that where the horses could drink when we had horses and dogs. And and you had St. Patrick's wells and fountains and everything all over the country. Now we've piped the whole thing. We're not even sure of its quality at times. And we put it into plastic bottles, which are the devil of a thing. Mm. We're all plastic. Can we not wrap food in a paper? You know, the sandwiches for lunch. My discussion was, how do we get a plastic-free school ground? We've got to put an awful lot more out of it. And we can do it, I think, without being depressive. Like I remember oh. the, when the government put the tax on plastic bags and people were all, oh, this is awful. But in actual fact, people did not like using the plastic bags. And you, yeah. you used to see them on trees, caught on bushes. Yeah. And you don't see that anymore because was, people had to pay for it. You don't. But I'm also not happy with the incinerator out there on the south wall, is it? Yes, it looks beautiful. It looks beautiful. Wow, it's as if we've entered the new age. But my God, do people have any understanding what burning the the plastics and everything else? And you can give me all of the explanations about scrubbers and everything else. But if you don't have an external review on that, that's 
really. And there was huge protesting by the local community for years and years, and they kept it. I mean, what you want to do? Kill off Irish town in the next 20 years? Is this what the achievement is going to be? Actually, it's Google that's coming in there now, driving up the prices and driving out the people. There's no proper management of housing and access to accommodation. So it's not about poverty. It's about national inertia. There's no kick. There's no movement. We're solving the plastics, you know, with that big burner out there. We know we're not. I was telling the kids today, there's an island in the Pacific Ocean where I live that's not mapped. And it's an island of plastic. And it is the size of the state of Texas. Now, everything in Texas is big. So you can imagine this island of floating plastic where all the currents of the ocean come together. I don't know how many megatons of stuff is out there. I mean, I'm gobsmacked at that, but I do know I saw the Blue Planet 2 just on Sunday night. They filmed all this plastic floating around in this stunning, beautiful ocean and a little baby whale that that died and maybe from poison milk. You open up any large fish today and they've they've got plastic in the stomach, boots, God knows what in the stomach. Now... That's only the tip of the iceberg. Eight million tons, they said, yeah. a year was being of plastic was yeah. being dumped in. Yeah. That's a huge well, amount. Yeah, but it doesn't impact on us. And the trouble is, even if we breathe it in, even if with these nanoplastics it gets into our bloodstream, we're still not going to change. I don't know what it takes. We've gone so rational, we've become absurd. We'll talk our way out of anything. And in today's world, in today's media, if there's a moment of doubt, that's reason to cast it aside. Fake news. Fake or, yeah, or true news, if there's a percentage. You know, people want science to be 100%, 110% proof. It's not, but there's a precautionary principle. It's like all of this glyphosate that we spray on our wheat and on our food. And now, state of California says it's carcinogenic. Germany is saying maybe we stop the license for using it. It is over 70% of the wheat in the world is coated with this stuff. It's a poison. It's related to other chemicals like Agent Orange in the past. It's very depressing. (laughs) Well, it is terrible. But, you know, we're at a stage where we need a a wake-up call. And I feel there's a tipping point. I'm not here long enough in Ireland to understand the dynamics But there has to be a tipping point that goes good. We have to shift. Look at the children. It's the children that give me hope. You see them. There was a kid, Timoney. You look him up on the web. He spoke at the UN conference. He was just fabulous. He was from Fiji. And he spoke to all of the officials there and everyone else with a hope and with an attitude that we change. Can we not do it? And you've done it to some extent in the Philippines in the in your work there. I mean, you built a farm, as you said, for these young people going yeah. to grade school. But no. that's subsistence, that's survival. And it's not harmful. So we buy the chickens from the scratchings around in the village. They're half the weight of one of these processed chickens. But there's no chemicals in them. There's no estrogens. There's no antibiotics. There's none of all of this. We have a couple of chickens at times and... We have our own vegetables, but I want them also to have an opportunity to enter society and contribute. I was in the school this morning and it was really beautiful. There are kids there from 
Lithuania. There are kids there from all over Eastern Europe. They've gone through so much change in their life, but they're so happy and they're so willing to contribute. And you have them from Dublin and Cork and myself from Limerick. And children want to do something. They are a community. Can we not work for that community? Not for ourselves in a a three-year or a six-year election cycle. Can we get beyond ourselves for a moment? And we do have a Green Party here, and Eamon Ryan is an ex-Jesuit-educated boy, and he is, and his party have been talking about the things you've been speaking about for for quite some time. every party should be talking about it. Every party should be in on this game. The People's Assembly have begun, so we're hoping about that for that as well. But they may have made recommendations. They gathered over two weekends yeah. and people, interest groups from all around the country could make submissions. I think the fact is the point you're saying, will people feel the inertia if the government doesn't follow through, if it's just a, an exercise in papering over the cracks or giving people the illusion of some kind of democratic yeah. input? Yeah, I mean, democracy is at its lowest. I mean, we suffer in the Philippines too, what can I say? We're in delicate situations. But I think there has to be a swing back. And for me, what the difference is, is the children actually believe in themselves and the parents enable that. So why can't we enable that a bit more along the way? Find the tipping point. You know, as you said... uh, uh, smoking in enclosed areas was a common thing years ago in pubs. Uh, plastic bags were a common thing. And somehow we got a tipping point and said, OK, let's do it. So how do we get that going again? In both of those cases, it was legislation. Yeah. And, and it was neither pleasurable nor profitable for yeah. the minister who did both of those yeah. things at the time. And now it has become acceptable in the sense that people really will not yes. smoke the way they did. Yeah. And it's, it's better for all in the process. So we've got to start doing that with many other things. This morning we were talking and a lot of my work has been to do with forests. And I was explaining kids how the rain falls for everyone, but infiltration is what's so important. You've got a lot of floods here, but you've cut out all the hedgerows. Trees are gone. There's really no ground infiltration. You've got rid of the pests in the process, but you've also got rid of the pest controllers, everything else. So we're hugely chemical. And all of this chemical fertilizer goes into the water, creates eutrophication. And we've got all the pesticides in there and everything else. We've got to look after the land better. Maximization of profit is the opposite to what economy really should be. Economy is a balance. And we even have to question the growth factor that we're pushing at the moment. We talk about the environmental problem, but a great deal of that is the present liberalist economy in terms of neoliberalism. It's a disaster. It's just extracting, extracting, extracting. And putting very little back in return. Very little back. And... You know, that brings you back extraction. Look at our energy industry. Are we willing to push it a bit more and find out what we can get from wind or wave action? Does it always have to be gas and coal? And where can we make the shift? Okay, solar will only run for a certain time. We've got questions about how we can store the energy over time, etc. But We've got to push that development in science, not just the corporate interest development. And I'm afraid we're still caught at the moment.
Your hope is in the children? Yes, of course. <laughs> and they will come through. But what are they going to have to suffer in the process? Can we do something, at least for the children, even if not for ourselves, and have a vision greater than three or six years of political life cycle and look at 30 years and make a difference?